everybody that's watching live. I have Paul Logston with us. Paul has been in real estate for how many? You've been in just for, you know, just less than a year, right? Yeah, yeah. I started in January. Well, it was when I first found out about wholesaling in January. Wow, man. January. And listen, this guy, uh, Paul Logsdon, has been able to generate over six figures in less than a year. Not many people can do that, you know? And so that has to take a lot of grit, a lot of um, grinding, you know? And so what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this conversation today with Paul and talk about his uh, formula for success in real estate. But also, Paul, I just want to jump in and hear a bit, a little bit about who you are, your background, and chat about you know where you came from because I love diving into people's stories. Like I love just diving in and hearing like where people came from and you know how they got to where they are today. And I'm sure you know everything wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, right? So, Paul, man, welcome to the Real Estate Success Strategies Show. Tell us a little bit about who you are, man, where you came from for our audience. Sure, absolutely, man. Michael, I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here and to network with you. Uh, you know, we're, we're two young guys in the same state of Kentucky. So uh, my name is Paul Logston, and I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I'm born and raised. Uh, it's also where I do real estate. It's where I have my business. But, uh, you know, a little bit about me and where I came up uh, or come from is just, a, I, would, I would say, a normal middle class family. Uh, my mom, she does technical work with phone systems and my dad does car sales. Uh, so just a normal average family, you know, working class America, uh, in South Louisville. So, um, you know, never really had anything crazy, uh, but never was missing anything that I needed from my parents. I got you, man. Uh, in 2009, I did go through foreclosure. My mom lost the house. Uh, it kind of sucked, but you know, I always was playing sports in high school. Uh, mainly football. Uh, my senior year of high school, I went unrecruited uh, and I still wanted to play football. So put together a little highlight reel and sent it out to a couple coaches and uh, got picked up to play football at a small school called University of the Cumberlands. Yeah, That's right down the road for me, right down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the middle, middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Um, and, you know, it was great. Uh, I didn't really go to college to, to, to go to college. I went to play football, um, but I was always pushed to, to go to college and get a good job. But for me, it was more of like football. Right. Um, so I was sitting in my dorm room one night, and I was watching University of Louisville play Florida State. It was like a Thursday night game, so it was crazy. The energy was crazy. And um, – I just remember thinking to myself, there's nothing that is different about me and the guys that are on TV. So I made a decision that night that I would go and play football for University of Louisville. So I transferred and walked on the team. And that's what I did uh, until I graduated in 2017. Well, man, so you just decided for yourself. I know this has nothing related to, to real estate currently, but we'll transition to that in a second. So everybody that's watching, you're like, what are you guys talking about football? So you made a decision. You committed at the University of Cumberland, right? Mm -hmm. Is that So you were there and you decided that you were going to go and play for the UofL. I don't know why you would want to do that, but anyway, <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, so you decided, you made this commitment, and you went and did it. Like, 
So was that just something you literally, did you have to contact anybody? Did you just jump right in? Cause that's, that takes a lot of bravery and courage right there just to go and try that. Yeah. You know, it's, it was really hard to, to get those connections, but uh, I would try like calling the coaches and, and stuff. But what I ended up having to do was just show up at the stadium and was like, you know, what, what do I got to do? And then they gave me a tryout like the next week. Um, yeah, man. Dude, I love it. I love it. Cause that's being relentless, you know, and always, you know, going after what your dreams are. And it's so cool because I went to a private school. Not many people know this. You want to know how many people graduated in my, my class? Take a guess. Just take a guess, man. 300. 300. My class, three. You're close. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, our school was less kindergarten through 12th grade. was less than 100 people. So at our school, I loved it. Great Christian education, great place, you know, to go to school. But there wasn't a lot of opportunities. And so I found myself in the same position as you. I wanted to go run cross country. And I never had the chance to do so because I was at a small school. And so I started reaching out to colleges and doing the same thing. And fast forward anyways, we got some offers from people. Uh, I'd never been trained by a coach. And I found myself pushing towards a goal that other people would say was impossible. So many of you all out there, you're listening right now. Just know that if you commit to something in your mind and you decide to do something, you can't achieve that. It just takes you being relentless. So I love that, man. So you went to play for University of Louisville. We walked on for a couple of years. What happened after that, man? Yeah, so I graduated with a degree in history, believe it or not. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're a history junkie, all right? Yeah, you know, people think that history is a lot of like knowing dates and, and events and stuff. While it is that, I really liked the like philosophical side of history. Uh, so I'd say just leave you guys with, with one little nugget. The number one thing I learned about history is there are no facts. So you can kind of take that and run with it wherever you want. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and there are yeah. no facts. Yeah. So after college, I got into a management position with a company. Uh, and we were actually doing like event management, some security work, like the Yum Center, doing a bunch of concert work. Um, so my job was to manage about 400 part-time event staff. Uh, and I was making like $30,000 a year on a salary, but I was working crazy hours, like always more than 60 hours a week. And one day I just had had enough, had enough of it. Uh, so I quit my job and I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, I was just going to go get a better job, you know, something that would pay more. And what I found was there's really like no good jobs out there that could pay me what I wanted to pay. So I got into sales because I knew that if I could work um, with, with my work ethic, if I could put that into sales, the, you know, the, the cap was, I mean, there was no cap. On what I right. Yeah. You were, your, you were your only limit. Yeah. So I got into door to door sales um, and, you know, did really well at that. Uh, went to Dallas, Texas, moved to Dallas, Texas with a business partner, opened up a door to door sales branch out there, uh, got destroyed, moved back home and, uh, you know, started up a couple other side hustles. Uh, none of them really worked. And then, uh, Got another job, got another sales job, and then that was in January. Whenever I found out about wholesaling, and uh, you know, I quit my full time job in June to go full time. Awesome! Wholesaling. Wow. So you went started in January, pretty much January, and quit your day job by 
you know, June. That's pretty impressive, man. And so I want to ask you a question. You were in sales, you were door knocking. Do you think that helps you? And if so, how did it help you in your real estate career? Absolutely. So it helps a bunch. I highly recommend anybody get into sales because if you're going to be a business owner, you have to sell something to generate revenue. Um, but the number one thing that I learned in door to door sales, besides actually how to sell was how to face rejection, you know, because mm. you would be out there knocking doors, trying to knock. The goal was to knock on 100 doors a day. And out of those, you'd probably get one or two sales. So facing all that rejection and still being able to have the positivity uh, in the mindset frame, you know, to, to have the right mindset to, to give that last knock because that last door that you knock on could be your sale. So taking that and applying that to something like cold calling and real estate, um, I mean, I think it's helped me a lot, a whole lot. Yeah, man. A lot of people, um, well, actually I was reading by Grant Cardone. I don't know if you read anything from him or whatever, uh, but I read um, some of his books and I was reading Seller Be Sold last night and it was talking just about that. You know, so many people complain, you know, when they aren't hitting their goals and, you know, they aren't hitting um, the mark they want to be at, but in reality, they're not taking enough action um, and they, they need to realize it's a numbers game, right? The more action you take, the more, uh, you know, you won't worry about those little small pitfalls or the small setbacks. Um, so that's cool, man. That, I love hearing your mindset behind that because that's, that's pretty tough, man. When you go knocking a hundred doors, especially in real estate, you know, if you were going out there door knocking, like a lot of people do and, you know, Hey, you want to sell your house, you know, or we're buying houses in the neighborhood, you know, it can get discouraging. So what did you do to fight that? that discouragement and that rejection. Is there anything in particular that you would use to combat that? Uh, yeah, I would smile. It, it sounds crazy, but whenever someone says no, uh, or they yell at you or whatever kind of reaction that you get at the door, uh, you just smile and, and just move on to the next one. Cause there, there's some kind of like chemical reaction that happens when you smile. Um, I, I don't know you, somebody could probably research that and, and you know, do an experiment or something, but, uh, just having that strong mindset of, okay, the, you know, getting that no out of the way so you can get to the yes. Right. It's all a numbers game, man. I love that. You just smile, man. And you, you do have like a really bubbly personality. I feel like I'm not, I don't know you too well, man, but you're like, you're every time I've chatted with you, you got a good smile. So that's cool. Thanks, uh, man. It's infectious, dude. <laughs> Um, well, awesome, man. So you started in real estate in January. Okay. January. And what it, what did it look like from there? Did you get your first deal within that month? Did it take you a couple months? What's that look like? Yeah. So I found out about wholesaling. And when I say I found out about it, I was like on YouTube and, um, I found, I think the first video I found was from Flipman, And I just started like, I was hooked like Flipman bandit signs. So that night, I bought a hundred bandit signs with my cell phone number on them, just like, and just put them out. Everywhere. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. I didn't get a deal from that. It definitely made my phone ring. But what I did to get my first deal was I would drive around kind of like driving for dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would carry around handwritten letters that said, you know, Hey, uh, my name's Paul. Uh, I want to buy your house at one, two, three main street. Uh, if you're interested, give me a call to hear how we can make you a fair offer and close quick. And then just put my name and my number on there. Um, did that. And the secret to that is actually putting it in like a, 
like a USPS cardboard envelope. And then okay. yeah, hand delivering it on someone's doorstep. I probably did like a thousand of those. Uh, cause I, I wasn't cold calling at the time. I didn't really know that that was something that you could do to get deals. Um, and I'll remember exactly what I was doing when my first deal called me. Uh, cause you would get people that would call you and say, what makes you think I would want to sell my house? <laughs> Why are you, what are you doing? You know, I was like, okay. But it was a Saturday morning. It's probably about 10 AM. And I was at the gym. Actually, I was running on the treadmill and uh, my phone rings. So at this point, uh, I've put my cell phone on everything. So I'm answering every call I get, you know, even if it's a robo call. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this guy, he calls me. I'm running on the treadmill and I answer. And I'm like, hello. And he says, hey, I got your letter. I want to sell you my house. And I was like, I almost fell off the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I fell off the treadmill and then sat down and like set up an appointment. Uh, he was going through a divorce or he actually, he already went through divorce. Um, but he had the house and he couldn't afford to make the mortgage payment himself anymore. Gotcha. But, so yeah. these houses that you were hand delivering letters to, were they distressed houses? How, how'd you kind of locate these houses? Yeah, they were distressed. Yep. Any kind of ugly house, you know, anything that was wrong with them. Um, I would only do owner occupied. Because if I put a letter on, you know, like a, a rental property, I don't really want to talk to the tenants, you know? Makes sense. Um, so I would do that. And this one, I remember it because it's my first deal. This one actually had like siding hanging off of the house. Okay. A broken down car in the driveway. Uh, oh, gotcha. It was pretty rough then. Yeah, it was a rough one. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's cool, man. Oh, I I don't hear many people taking that extra step of putting it in like a, you know, a United States postal service envelope. So that's cool, man. And, um, so you, were you handwriting these letters or were you actually printing them? I just wanted to know the, the process of a beginning investor, you know, just jumping right in. What would that look like? Yeah. So I hand wrote the letters every night. I would get like, um, a little note, yellow legal pad uh -huh. from the dollar store. It had like 50 sheets. And I would go in and I would write 50 letters, uh, you know, with the, the address and the name blank on it. And then the next day I would go out and I would just, I would deliver them. Um, the, the, the key, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer in this. The key is to use yellow paper and red ink. Red ink. Well, hey, there's a tip for everybody that's watching and listening right now. Yellow pages, red ink. So that guy, he, you know, he came to you. He said, you know, I'm going through divorce or I am divorced. Can't afford my mortgage. Did, did you know how to make an offer at that point? How'd that first deal play out? Because I want people that have never done a wholesale deal before and they're listening to this or maybe, maybe they have done like some rentals or fix and flip but want to do some wholesaling. Did you know how to do that or was it kind of just like jump right all in and see what happens? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if it was like, luck. I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know like ARV and how to do a max allowable offer or anything like that. But pretty much I set up the appointment and I was like, okay, what, what are you asking for the house? What do you want? And he said, well, I just want the mortgage payoff. So I was like, okay, that's fine. We, we can do that. I'm, I'm pretty sure we can, we can make that happen. If you sign here today, um, you know, we can call the bank, figure out what the payoff amount is, uh, and then we can sign an agreement for that price. So that's what we did. 
it was, um, I believe it was 82,000 and okay. some change in there. Uh, but actually, he ended up calling me a couple of days after we signed the contract and asked if we could, you know, give him a little extra money to walk away with. Um, yeah, somebody so, probably talked to him and was like, what? You're, giving that, you're giving the house away? Yeah, it was the wife. <laughs> oh, was it? So how much did you end up making off that deal, if you don't mind me asking? Um, 26000 26,000 on his very first deal, man. That's, that's amazing, man. Congratulations, by the way. Now you're, you know, that kicked off your real estate success. So that's, that's amazing, man. I love it. So yeah. what was, what was one thing you learned from that first deal that you could, you know, kind of give advice to for other investors out there? I would say developing the, the rapport and going to the house and listening to what kind of struggle or what kind of position they're in that would make them want to sell their house to a guy like me without even asking for like a proof of funds or like a track record. Like I, I was just, I'm just a guy. Like what makes him think that I have, you know, $80,000 sitting in the bank. Right. So really just going with the mindset of listening and trying to, figure out how you can ease their pain. Cause if they're so motivated where they're calling a letter that somebody sat on their doorstep, like they're in significant pain. Mm. You know? I love it. And it's asking the right questions to a good friend of mine, Bryce McKinley. I don't know if you know Bryce, but um, he's all about asking the right questions, you know, leading them to their own self-discovery. Right. So I love that man. And so you got your first deal and how'd you scale from there? We actually, before we hopped on the live video here, and there's several people watching right now, before we got into this podcast interview, um, I actually asked him, I said, so how's your business going? And Paul, you were telling me how, you know, you're looking to scale your business and um, delegate more. So how'd you go from that first deal to where you are today? And what, you know, what'd you do to scale to this point? Yeah, so, so far to date, I've done about 10 different deals. Um, the majority of those have come from cold calling. So I, once I got that first deal, I stopped doing the letters because my hand really started to hurt. <laughs> and uh, I started cold calling uh, and you know, got started getting some deals from there uh, to where I could afford to bring on a virtual assistant to make calls for me. And um, that's, that's what I've done ever since. So now I have three virtual assistants who are making calls for me. Um, and where I'm at right now, it, it, what we were talking about is, you know, Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. I'm in the S quadrant. So self-employed, pretty much I own a job because I'm still doing the acquisitions and the dispositions and transaction coordination, all of the other details that go into a transaction. Uh, but I'm trying to move to the B quadrant, which is business owner. A business owner owns systems and processes where he doesn't, you know, you could pretty much sell your business at that point if you're a business. Mm. Um, so that's where I'm trying to take my business. And I think for me, it's right, you know, making SOPs, standard operating procedures, documenting everything that I'm doing in the business to make it duplicatable for somebody else um, that I decided to bring onto the company. I love it, man. Most people, you know, they think they run their businesses, but their businesses run them. Right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's the one thing. And that's something I've struggled with as well in the past. I'm not going to be, you know, fake about it or anything. Like I've struggled with that too, doing too much. Right. So for me, I'm more on the flipping side of things. Right. So my thought process before was like, Hey, I can 
you know, I can lay the flooring myself or I can paint, you know, to save more money, but is that going to be sustainable in the long run? And if you're listening to this podcast episode right now, you need to ask yourself, am I, or what am I doing now that's going to be sustainable for the future? Like the actions you're taking at this moment, is it going to last you, you know, is it going to let your business go on um, forever, even if you passed away or even if something came up and you couldn't be there to do that work? So, um, you know, or even like Paul said, if you wanted to sell the business, you know, you need to be um, looking at that from a business owner perspective and not an employee, because I feel like so many times we we grow up in a world (laughs) where we're placed as employees, 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 and you know, it takes a separate mind shift to become that business owner, the investor side of it. So um, I love that, man. So how are you doing that in your business right now? I know you said you're documenting everything you're doing, right? But what other steps are you taking to systemize your business? Yeah. So without getting caught up in the weeds too much, I think a good CRM is crucial. So um, I think I finally found one. I don't want to say it because I don't know if it's actually going to work out, but I've tried like three or four that just haven't fit what I'm trying to do. So everybody that's listening right now, it may not even like they may be brand spanking new. What's a CRM, man? Is that like a kind of car or what? (laughs) I know what it is, but (laughs) yeah. Uh, Customer relationship manager Uh, or yeah. Um, so basically it's a database where you can put all of your leads and you can track, um, what's going on with each lead and it'll give you reminders on when you need to call your leads or what part of the process they're in. Um, and one thing that I'm you know, really interested in is being able to have like automated follow-up sequences, uh, to where you can send out, you know, a chain of text a chain of emails or ringless voicemails. Um, and, and that way it takes away the responsibility from me having to call, you know, a hundred people a day or my team members having to call hundred people a day. I love it. Have a good CRM system. And for some people, you know, you may already have a CRM system in place. A lot of people, they look at it and be like, Oh, I have to buy this expensive software. That's going to help me manage my leads. It's good to have some kind of system in place. But for some of you guys, like you're crushing it with your post-it notes on the whiteboard. Like you do you, man. Eventually when you scale, you need to probably look at more systems, but uh, I love it, man. You, you're finding something that's working good for you. And that's, what's cool. I, I'd love to hear how that plays out in the future and just uh, the software using, if it's, you know, worthwhile or not. But um, so I wanted to chat about this. So how much revenue have you brought in your business over the past year so far? If you don't mind sharing, if you, if that's private, that's cool, but can you can give me a rough estimate? Yeah, no, it's kind of weird still like, you know, sharing this stuff with it, with the world. But right now uh, my business has brought in $167,000 since January. Awesome, man. Congratulations. That's amazing. And you know, it's taken me, you know, I guess two and a half years to get to that, you know, roughly around that point. So, I mean, you know, everybody, and if you're watching this right now, everybody has their own path in life. Don't get discouraged. Like, and I understand why, like why you're uncomfortable sharing that, right? It's not comfortable for us to go out there and share our wins. Cause everybody is like, Oh, you know, don't be too confident. Don't be too, you know, prideful, but you know, you sharing your journey with other people can help them. But if you're watching this right now and you're looking at Paul, like, man, I want to be like him or, you know, I just wish my journey was that quick. Listen, we all have different journeys. Don't, and I say this all the time, don't compare your journey to him because 
what you may need may be totally different or your journey may look totally opposite of what Paul's is. So um, God's timing is, is right for you. Just staying in there, be persistent. And actually, let's go to that. You have something, you have something PTR, all right? And, I, and I'm just letting you know, there's people commenting in the comments right now on Facebook saying, PTR, let's get it persistent, Paul. There's people, you know, chanting this in the chat. So Paul is known for this, this thing called PTR. I'm not going to tell the audience what it is, but why don't you tell us, what is PTR, man? It's something that, is it a brand you've been working on? What's that? Is that like a, a motto? Tell the audience that's listening what that is. Yeah, so PTR, it stands for Persistence Through Resistance, right? And it, it is a brand. It is a brand, but really it's more of like a mantra for how I live my life and how I think other people should live theirs. Because uh, let's just break it down. So you have persistence, which in my book means just being relentless, mm. even through adversity, no matter what you're going through, just knowing that you're not going to give up. And then through, you know, obviously in one side, out the other, resistance. Resistance is that, that life force that's constantly trying to bring you down. You know, like if there's an airplane flying through the, through the air or a rocket ship, it has resistance. Even though it looks like there's nothing there, it has that air resistance, that wind resistance that's trying to pull it back down. It has gravity. That's, what's, that's the resistance that's acting on our lives. So I think if you can bust through that resistance and just stay persistent through that, through the struggle and embrace the struggle, you know, normalize discomfort. I think on the other Ooh, side of that, yeah, it's like something yeah. on the other side of that is the best version of yourself. And I think that's what we all want to be. Man, that just was, that was fire, man. Normalize discomfort. And the, the times when we find the most growth oftentimes are the times when we are in that um, state of un being uncomfortable. You know, a lot, I can look back in my real estate journey, the times when I literally, you know, stepped out and couldn't really afford a mortgage, you know, for my first flip, but I did it, you know, it just, or, you know, went out and started making those first cold calls or, you know, started placing bandit signs, you know, and you, those times when you're like, Oh, should I be doing this? Should I not? You know, and you're, you know, it's good. And it's going to get you somewhere, you know, that's crazy, man. I love it. I love it. So what made, what made you come to this realization? Cause everybody, okay. That's listening. They're like, Oh yeah, I love it. Good word. And they're saying, I feel inspired, you know, but how did you come to this realization of PTR, you know, persistence through resistance? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know who all, I can't see the comments, but shout out to the superhuman shout out to Aaron Bevins, uh, great community. Um, but you know, persistence is, is me just from where I came from, being a walk-on to the football team, like that was super hard. Door-to-door -door sales was super hard. You know, handwriting letters was super hard. I've gone through a lot of super hard stuff, but I've never quit. Mm. Um, and I think there, there's definitely a difference between quitting and pivoting. Like I've quit jobs, but I don't consider that a quit. I consider that a pivot uh, in my life. Right. So persistence, the, the idea of persistence came to me uh, after I read the book, Think and Grow Rich. And I tell people this all the time, like uh, I got it laying around here somewhere. The book, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Persistence is so important that he writes a whole chapter just on persistence and how to develop persistence, how to overcome struggles. Um, for anyone watching, I highly recommend that book. 
even though it looks like a like a Harry Potter book, <laughs> gold. <laughs> this right here is gold, and um, it's the the grandfather of all self development books. So, my dad gave me a, a copy of this book when I was 18 years old, and me being 18 year old Paul Augustin, uh, read like two pages and was like, no. Uh, I don't read books. This is, um, you know, I don't want to read Harry Potter. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, with time, right? So, you know, at that time, you probably weren't ready to receive the information. So I don't know. That's how I always look at it, right? You know, because um, I can look back at times and be like, man, why didn't I do that this time? You know, or why didn't I uh, read that book whenever I was presented it the first time? Because uh, I think Rich Dad Poor Dad actually heard about it several times, right? And so I just got to always put it off. But maybe the time wasn't right for me to receive that. I don't know. That's just how I looked at it. But, um, dude, I love it, man. And so I want to ask you a question that's a little out of the norm. I like to ask people this because I feel like we're we're always on the professional side. We're always, you know, people see, you know, the real estate side of us. What's something you're passionate about outside of real estate, man? Because I feel like there's a correlation to the actions we take in our real estate to what we're passionate outside real estate. Yeah. So I like to uh, be outdoors. That, that's one of my passions. So uh, hiking, uh, I got two dogs. Uh, we love to go on adventures, me and my girlfriend, my two dogs. I like to fish, uh, but mainly my other passion is working out. Um, you know, I feel like I, I have to go to the gym every day just to get my mind right. And it's crazy because a lot of my, like what I would say best ideas or most crazy ideas, like out of the box ideas come like within that hour to two hour time frame, right after I'm working out. Really? That's crazy, man. Well, I love that you said that because so many people have places or things they do to get away and to free up their mind. And for you, you find that through, you know, going to the gym. I love exercising as well, but for me, I always find the most creativity when I'm traveling, right? I think it's important that we kind of hone on that, hone in in those areas and really be intentional about the times when we can be most creative and get away and re, you know, rethink, refresh, um, just re-energize in life. So you find, you find that in the gym, which is really cool. I would love to hear if you're listening right now um, or you know, you're watching this, I'd love to hear in the comments or maybe in, if you're watching this um, later through uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play, uh, podcast. You can actually leave it in the reviews below, but let me know where is a place you go or what do you do to kind of get away and re-energize? Cause we all have different things we like to do. And I think it's important, especially in the real estate industry, right? Like we we're talking about when you're hitting rejection almost every day, you know, people are texting you while you're, you know, you're messaging people, cussing you out. People are calling you, leaving you voicemails that are like, ah, you know, I'm tired of this. Or, you know, there's just so many things, a water leak at a house. I deal with that all the time. You know, what is it that you do to get away? Because I feel so many times we forget to be intentional and we get burnout. And for me, for the longest time, I was grinding, grinding, grinding seven days a week and I was miserable and I, I felt bad at first. I don't know about you, Paul, but have you, have you ever felt or were you ever um, shown by somebody else or like, I, I don't know how to explain it, that taking a rest is like being inefficient taking a break is, you know, not good if you want to get to your goal. Cause I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like so many people say that, you know, if you don't rest, you know, you're not going to hit your goal. You need to be hustling 24 seven. What's your thoughts on that, man? Yeah. You know, that, that's really hard for me 
um, because I, I think I'm kind of one of those people, but at the same time, I know that you have to take those breaks to uh, kind of refresh, reset your mind. Like for me, I just, I'm a workaholic. Well, so me too, man. So I'm, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you're a workaholic because most likely, you know, if you're in real estate and you're a, you're a young entrepreneur, this is your passion. Like real estate is my passion. Wholesaling. I'm, I'm driving by, you know, houses and I'm thinking like, Ooh, that's a good house right there. Or I'm thinking about different ways that I can improve myself or my business to make you know, more profit. Well, so, I, well, it's, it's cool. Cause I'm always thinking real estate. I'm always thinking business. It's like, there's never an off day for me, but yeah. you know, as, as I got married and you know, as I, you know, committed to that relationship and things just started happening, I realized that you do need to take some kind of break. It doesn't have to be, you know, cause I'm all the, I'm all about 10 X action, you know, going out there and, you know, hustling, grinding and stuff. But for me personally, and everybody may be different, you know, you may be, I'm just giving examples. You may be single, you may be just, you know, living life and you're just grinding every day and you love that. Like Gary V, you know, he always talks about, you know, grinding for, I don't even know, 15, 20 years, whatever his story is. And he's always talking about, you know, he didn't stop because he, he liked that and he had a go in mind. So if you enjoy that, cool. But for most of us, like me, you probably need to slow down a little bit and find your way to refresh and step back so you can shoot forward. Uh, because I, I'm all about reflection, you know, stepping back to evaluate the process. Um, so I don't know. That's just me, man. Yeah, I really, really like that. That that sounds really wise. And uh, I'll, I'll probably end up picking your brain on that because if you're that dedicated to the business, it can take a toll on your relationships. Mm. Uh, because as a business owner, you want to give all of your time and energy to a business, but at the same time, you can't neglect your personal relationships, like your, your family, your, your wife, your girlfriend. Or and that's what I did for so long, man. I did that for a long. Yeah. When I first got into real estate, a little background for everybody that's joining in and may have not heard my story, but I, I decided to commit to two flip properties at the same time. I had $0 in my bank account. I just was hoping that I could find some private partners to go in and needless to say, I lost like 15 grand, my first, you know, two deals and, you know, having no money, just being married. Right. I just got married to my wife like a couple months before. And so going into that much debt, just really put a toll. So in order to make up for that lost income every day, every day, you know, grinding, you know, trying to get those flips done as fast as possible, getting another job, getting extra hours. And, you know, I found that I found myself, depressed in almost every area that was my, my emotional health my financial health right because I had no money um, you know my relationships you know that was just there was depression there my wife she wasn't happy I wasn't happy so um, you know we all just need to be aware of you know what's going on in our life and just reflecting about hey am I healthy in every area because um, if you aren't doing that I hate to say it, and this is just my personal belief. If you aren't stepping back and just reflecting, you're going to find yourself 10, 15 years down the road after the grind is done and you're at the top wondering where life went and wondering, you know, well, what's next, right? So I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. but I 100% agree with the thought process. I think it, if we can figure out how to do that, um, that's, that's gold right there. You know, we, we right. know that it needs to be done, but how to do it. Right. And it's going to be different for everybody. So, you know, like I said, it just takes you, you know, be intentional, even about discovering yourself and, you know, figuring out how to do that. So 
I love it, man. Great conversation. And like I said, it's cool because so many times nowadays, you know, people that can't have conversations like this. And so I really do enjoy, and I thank you for coming on and having conversations where we can share our opinions and, you know, that our opinions may not match, but you know, it's cool to have conversations like this. Um, and another thing I wanted to ask, other than the book you just shared, what other books would you share for people that, you know, are just getting started in real estate or maybe books you've read in the past that have helped you in sales? Uh, are there anything in particular you would, you know, you would like for them to read? Yeah. So for, I'd say the number one sales book that I've read is written by the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, for some reason, I can't think of his, his, his book right now, but basically it teaches his sales method, which is the straight line sales method. Um, and just, just real brief, I'll touch on it. Basically it says you want to move your prospect from A to Z in a straight line. You know, they're going to want to take objections and, and way up here, but your job is to bring them way back down to earth and get them to the closing table. Uh, Love it. and then another book that I like is the go-giver. Uh, I, I'm about to finish that one up. And I think that one is just gold. Uh, my number one takeaway so far is, um, you just give in life and you don't expect anything in return. Um, and everyone's so quick to say, you know, do me a favor and I'll owe you one or something like that. But I don't believe in keeping score mm. when it comes to like doing favors and stuff. Like if you need help, I will help you and you don't owe me anything. Uh, for anyone that's watching, you can shoot me a message. Um, I'm pretty active on Facebook and you know, I don't keep score. I believe it'll come back. Um, in the grand scheme of things in some form. I love it, man. That's a whole nother podcast episode on itself. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that again sometime soon, dude. Yeah. Well, man, I, I really appreciate your time, man. I love hearing your story, uh, you know, from sales, climbing your way up to real estate investor, you know. So what's your goals real quick before we end this? What's, what goals are you trying to hit or what goals are you going to hit by the end of 2020? By the end of 2020, I have to be at a quarter million in revenue. So I believe I just did the math on this yesterday. I need 83,000 uh, between now and the end of 2020. Uh, but also in there, I want to refine my business to where I can you know, go into 2021 and you know, scale to like a million dollar operation. Awesome, man. I can't wait to see you do that. It's going to be awesome. So whenever you do that, let's have you back on here and we'll chat. All right, let's do it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in for the Real Estate Success Strategies podcast, guys. Listen, if you haven't already done so, go to Apple Podcasts, go to uh, Google Podcasts, type in Real Estate Success Strategies, and uh, I'll pop on there. You'll see my face. Go in there, leave us a review, subscribe. We have tons of interviews with people just like Paul, people that are high achievers. They're going out there to um, hit their goals. And these people are sharing golden nuggets just for you. So make sure you go get those for yourself. So thanks, Paul, for coming on. We'll see you all again next week. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Thanks.